0: Welcome back to another audio adventure here on Insight. I'm CVV, Chris Van Vliet. Thank you so much for being with us on this one. And I just got to put this out there. Gold Medal Loser isn't just some clever title that I came up with for this episode. It's actually the name of Lolo Jones Podcast, which is also on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Yeah, Gold Medal Loser. And look, we've all dealt with failure or defeat in our lives. But for Lolo Jones, this was on a whole different level. You probably remember this. The Summer Olympics, 2008, Beijing. Lola was a favorite to win on the 100-meter hurdles. And during the race, she's absolutely crushing the competition. She's like one second away from winning. And then she trips on the second-to-last hurdle, ends up in seventh place. I can't even imagine how devastating that must have been. But we talk about how she overcame that how she went from being a summer Olympian to a winter Olympian as well. Yeah, two-sport Olympian. And I just really enjoyed this conversation. I hope you do as well. And if you do enjoy it, please share it with somebody. Take a screenshot, tag us on social media. Lolo is at Lolo Jones. I'm at Chris Van Vleet. And if it's your first time here, it'd be so appreciated if you could subscribe to the show wherever you're listening. Also, subscribe to Gold Medal Loser as well. Our fan of the week is George. He says, love it. This has quickly soared to become one of my favorite podcasts. Keep up the great work, Chris. Thank you so much for that, George. I read one review from Apple Podcasts on every episode. So if you're listening on your iPhone, if you could leave a few words on there, I'll shout you out on the show for free. It's my way to say thank you. Thank you for being on this journey with me. Also, if you enjoy the show, please consider leaving a rating on Spotify. Whatever you think might be nice. You know, whatever you think is a good rating. Although we have, I think it's 570 five-star ratings on Spotify right now. So it'd be incredible if you could leave a rating on there. All right, let's dive into this. Please welcome Lolo Jones. Lolo, thank you so much for making the time to do this.
1: Ah, uh, no worries. I'm
0: glad here. What what color would we call your hair right now?
1: This hair color. I'm sorry for well, actually it's this is the one time it's actually better to listen to a podcast and actually watch a <laughs> podcast because this hair right now is all over the place. It's uh like people don't. Everybody's like, I love your red hair. I love your purple hair. I love your pink hair. I That's how confusing this hair color is. <laughs> it's I don't know. It's washing out by the minute. Every time I wash my hair, it's a new color.
0: I think you could really call this—you could call this color whatever you want. I feel like
1: it's coming out tomorrow. I'm so excited. I'm going back to my 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 normal color, my natural color. Uh, So yeah, but it was fun having a midlife crisis for a little bit.
0: (laughs) No, no, you're not even at your midlife. Come on.
1: Am I? Not okay. You must have not googled my age. But no, I'm up there in age. (laughs) We
0: we are about the same age, actually.
1: Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Well, I I loved you. We're not gonna tell the viewers. We're not yeah, going to tell the it, viewers what my age are, but I'm still in my 30s by holding on by dear life.
0: <laughs> they can do the math. 3 time Olympian, they're like, "Oh my gosh. Wow, okay." Yeah. <laughs> I loved your your post yesterday though when you were like Tom Brady's unretired. Like you're basically saying like, "Yeah, like I feel good about this."
1: Yeah, you always feel good until you go out into the track or, you know, Tom Brady feels great right now. But wait to the moment he gets on that field and like people are starting to hit him again and the warm ups and, you know, the commitment it takes. Trust me. I I mean, I love what Tom Brady's going through because he gives me a perfect explanation of what I'm going through right now. Because people are like, oh, are you retired? Are you? And I'm like, look, I'm 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 on the Tom Brady retirement plan. And once I say that, people back the f off like they give me my space and like let me live. so it's like I could be retired tomorrow. I don't know, or I could make another push, you know, who knows, but I like that Tom Brady is the goat, and he's you know taking one from all for all the older athletes out there,
0: but I also feel like you're still training your ass off.
1: I am, but I'm not posting as much like my training stuff because I'm so tired of the hate and I'm so tired of being forced into retirement and so I'm kind of just doing my own thing and seeing what my body will allow me to do. I'm not making any commitments for another Olympic push, even though next Olympics is like two years away Um, because of COVID. It's like, Mm -hmm. it's so weird, right? And then um, I'm just, I'm not, I'm just like, I just want to see if I can get back to hurdling pain free, injury free. And I love doing it, you know, because it's a grind, it's a hustle, you know? It's like every night I come home, I'm like, man, if I was retired, I could have like a whole cake right now, but I can't. Because I'm still doing this track thing, so I have to, you know, be very still diligent in my actions.
0: Yeah, you've been like training as an athlete, eating like an athlete, living like an athlete for like pretty much your whole life.
1: Uh, yeah, bobsled was good though. Bobsled gave me a break because I actually had to gain weight for bobsled, so I was able to live a little bit more. Uh, I was able to eat, you know, cheeseburgers when I wanted to and pizza, not feel guilty about it, but um you still had to work your butt off on the workouts, you know, like essentially I went from when I was competing in track and field, a wide receiver, very fast, agile, light, to bobsled. It was more like a linebacker. I needed the muscle mass. I needed the weight on me. So um yeah, it was just different mentality.
0: Like walk us through for for us normal people, walk us through what a day of Olympic training would look like.
1: It's funny because most people assume Olympic athletes wake up at the crack of dawn, like 6am, Rocky style, you know, running stairs. But we actually, I have training at 11. So today I was, I woke up around like 9.45, was pushing it, you know? So, uh, and then once I go to training, it's uh, two to three hours of running slash weights and then um, take a break, lunch, and then I'll do some either yoga, Pilates later, or like another type of easy workout. Uh, so it's really just one hard workout a day and then maybe some like stuff, easier stuff later.
0: I so. don't know. What you just listed there is like an entire week's worth of working out for like <laughs> even most fit people.
1: Yeah. I mean, so my, I think my longest workout was like eight hours, you know, but it was, that was from bobsled and you're actually working on a bobsled. So I count it, but my longest track workout is four hours, five hours, maybe. So...
0: What's recovery look like after that?
1: I sleep a lot. So I'm like a big cat. I just literally I'm just I couldn't believe this whole weekend. I just slept I just slept through the whole weekend. I didn't go out, I didn't party. I mean, everybody's like spring breaking hardcore right now. And I'm just I watched TV and I slept and it was amazing. It was glorious. So I honestly don't know like how how do normal people not take naps? I I just, I need naps. Like I'm a napper. So
0: well, normal Um, people aren't training the way that you're training. So maybe they don't require the same amount. Yeah.
1: I hope, I really hope that's the case. I mean, I really hope that my energy levels rebound, rebound when I'm done because right now I have, I just have none. Like, I will sometimes be so tired, I can't even do the dishes. Like, little things, like full... Like, everybody probably struggles with house chores, but like, I can't even... I'll be like, oh, sometimes I can't even have enough energy to go shopping, grocery shopping. So... Uh, physically, I'm drained, but like mentally, I'm there. And so it's it's funny when I talk to my friends who have normal jobs, like desk jobs, mm. and they get off of work and their body's ready to go. Like they're like, oh, I can't wait to go do a workout or this and that. And but like if you ask them a question, their their mind is just fried. They're like, I can't think. And I'm the opposite. Like I'm laying in my bed and like my body can't move after a workout, but like my mind is like. I wish we could like go do something like, you know, it's like, it says all these high goals and then I just have no energy to execute them.
0: So what gets you up like on competition day? Like what gets you up and ready to go?
1: Well, competition day is different because you sometimes you, you know, you taper before a competition. So you're a little bit more rested and also you get paid for a competition. So money, hello, he's not inspired <laughs> by that. And then also, obviously, you know, how you started the whole dream is to just be the best in the world. So having all the hard work, all those hours that you put in, the competitions are like the test. So the pr- uh, the practices are like the homework. Okay, I'm doing my homework every day. I'm, p- I'm putting in the work, you know. And then when you go to a competition, it's like, okay, am I about to just ace this exam? So mm-hmm. it kind of makes all the hard work worth it when you do go to a competition and win. But when you don't, then it's like devastating. <laughs>
0: But I imagine though that like the dream didn't begin as I'm going to be the best in the world when you're, you know, a young girl. So like, (laughs) really?
1: Of course it did. No, I mean, it was, I didn't like losing for sure as a kid, you know, so I, it wasn't like I was going to be the best in the world. I mean, I didn't even think I could be an Olympic athlete. I just knew that I wanted to beat the other girls my age and I was fierce about that. And so... Uh, I took even at a young age the competitions very serious. And so, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I never envisioned I'd be a summer and winter Olympia. I never even thought I'd make one Olympic team. So I'm sitting in three Olympics. Like that's crazy to me. But um, I think in the back of the your mind, if you have a dream for something, you always, you kind of know like it, there's a seed, there's something there, there's something to it, right? There's mm-hmm. like, Whatever dream it is, you might not think you'll be you know the Bill Gates, but there's something to your dream, you know
0: Well, and, and I think it's like step by step, right? It's once I accomplish yeah. this, you start to dream a little bit bigger and then a little bit bigger. So well, for you, more hurdle
1: what... by hurdle since I'm a hurdler.
0: <laughs> oh, there it is. okay. I like it. So at what point did you come to the realization of, oh my god, like maybe I have the talent combined with this crazy work ethic, maybe I could actually be the best in the world
1: you actually never get that point. <laughs> 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 I I mean I never even I've had I've broken the American record which means I'm the fastest hurdler in the history of the hurdles for Team USA. I've broken the world championship record. I've been one of the few athletes to make a summer and winter Olympic team and I still have doubts and fears like, "Ooh, am I good enough? Can I do this? Can I do that?" you know? So it's it's all you're always calm uh, combating those doubts and fears. And so when any anybody's trying to start a dream, you know, one of the biggest things that hinders people is, oh, I don't think I can do it. I don't think I have what it takes. And I'm telling you from me, someone who has tasted every kind of elite experience, you're always going to have those. So never let a doubt or a fear stop you because they're, they're always going to be there. You know, anytime I step on the line for hurdles, it's like, oh, like, you know, this looks tough. <laughs> so it's just overcoming that on a on a regular basis because I think the moment you think you have it, you're like, "Oh, I've been there before. I can do this." I think that's the moment it's like you take it for granted and then you you really don't have that edge, that crisp sharpness that you need. So, I don't know, maybe other athletes are super confident, but I've always been one that's had to fight for everything, never been the most talented. And I've literally made teams because of my mentality and just my grit and not getting up. So uh that's just the state I always carry with me. Like, you know, you might not be good enough, but I'm for sure not gonna give up and I'm gonna just put all my effort into this.
0: Is this the old adage of like first to arrive and then last to leave for practice? No,
1: absolutely. That's so dumb. <laughs> <laughs> I like the, the adage, uh, work smarter, not harder.
0: <laughs> oh, that's, that's definitely it. Yeah. Uh,
1: but no, I mean, there's certain days where I was the first person in the gym and the last person to leave for sure. But if your body needs rest, then I also would be the one that would listen to my body. You know, right. uh, I would, I'd say more so I, I was, whatever the coach gave me, I wouldn't skip corners, you know, and I'd see a lot of other athletes, they'd be lazy on their warm-ups or their cool-downs, or they'd, they'd have cheat meals all the time. They'd go out and party, so they weren't resting. So I was just... If the coach told me to do something, if it was on the workout, I would do it. And then I would also research other things on how I could always continue to improve. So, mm. But yeah, I definitely was... though, I was the last one to leave practice today, but that's just because... Uh, I was exhausted. And so I was just laying on the track and all the younger athletes were like, see, okay, see you tomorrow, see you tomorrow. And I'm just like, oh, I'm just going to be here another 10 minutes while I'm out of breath.
0: <laughs> Have you taken the same mentality? Like, with, like, do you take that with you to everything else in your life?
1: Um, I think so. So, but I haven't had many, obviously, work life experience outside of being an athlete TV personality. But I, I have been told quite often I'm very intense, <laughs> which is a good thing. We're gonna yeah. And you're like, thank media. you. And, yeah, and, they're and they're like, we didn't intense.
0: mean that as a compliment.
1: But it's not going to be good, though, if I actually have a desk job ever. I'm nervous. I, I think I'd be more nervous to do a desk job than anything else because I'm so used to moving. And, you know, if I have any type of, aggression or frustration stress i can just run it out i wouldn't even know how to deal like people who have passive aggressive work environments i don't i don't know how to help you <laughs> <laughs> Like, I don't know. You're sitting at your desk typing all aggressively because you hate your coworker. I, I, I don't know how to deal with that.
0: Well, you'll you'll never have to deal with that.
1: <laughs> I might. Who knows? I, just, I, I can't run forever. So Yeah, but
0: then you can teach people to run better.
1: Oh, I always tell people if I'm gonna be a coach, it's because I've run out of money. <laughs> <laughs> I would be a great coach, but it's a it's a hard lifestyle being a coach because you're back in the grind, you're traveling all the time, and now your job depends on. I mean, let's say I'm coaching in college, like essentially 19 teens. Mm, so, mm. I mean, my mortgage depends on teens. I don't know. It's a tough lifestyle.
0: <laughs> well, you're a podcaster now, like yeah. And you, so, I congrats am. by by the way on that.
1: Thank you. Instead of running my legs and running my mouth, <laughs> that's it. Yeah. How
0: did you come up with the title for this? Because I think that that it's It's seemingly something that maybe you'd want to put behind you,
1: I know it's it's I cringe every time I say my podcast title. My podcast title is gold medal loser. And for people who don't really know me, I mean, I was one hurdle away at the Olympic Games from an Olympic gold medal, and I hit a hurdle, and it cost me everything. And I'm known by that. Like people have teased me on social media because it, you know, but, And in essence, had I not hit that hurdle, I also wouldn't have been the few athletes to compete in a summer and winter game. So I've kind of used that failure and turned it into extreme motivation for me. And so I hope that uh, others who have gone through failures and used it, learned from it and just inspired that other people can listen to their stories and just pick themselves up from whatever life is trying to set them back. And uh, it's funny because every guest I had on the podcast loves the title. And I'm I'm talking about people who like Carrie Walsh Jennings, who's like the Olympic household name, has so many Olympic medals. She can probably make Christmas tree ornaments out of them. But <laughs> she even related to that and was t- talking about her experience of how she just missed out on the Olympic team this time. So essentially, she was like, I am a gold medal loser. I have an Olympic gold medal, but I'm also a loser. And she was just like, and this is what I've used and how I've turned the tracks on that. And so there's only one person who had an issue with it. And that was my teammate, Kaylee Humphreys. And I was just like, but if you knew her and her personality, I totally understand. And so... Uh, but every but everybody else was like richard jefferson he had great stories and then hunter woodall who is a paralympian double amputee he was just like this title is my life he was just like i lost it all and now i'm a Paralympian medalist so he's just like just in super inspiring stories to just get you through whatever is trying to you know hold you back
0: do you look at 2008 beijing as a failure or do you look at it as just like A bump in the road for everything else that happened after that?
1: I think I can look at it both. Obviously, I would have loved to not hit that hurdle and just be done with the Olympics. Like, honestly, if I wouldn't have hit that hurdle, won my gold medal, I probably would have been out the game years ago. Like, I don't even know if I would have pushed as hard for a second Olympic team. I would have been like, yeah, I'm the Olympic champion, like, move on, do other things. But because I hit that hurdle, it was fuel for the fire for so many years. And I think I'm really, I mean, Olympic gold medal would be a huge honor, but I'm not going to lie. Being able to call yourself a summer and winter Olympian is pretty badass. And only 11 Americans can say that. And so there's thousands of an Olympic gold medal. I know that sounds weird, but like there are a lot of Olympic champions. If you add them up in the history of the Olympics, though, only 11 Americans have made a summer and winter team. So it's a pretty cool stat. And I mean, I think I'll be able to like one day, if I'm not inspiring the masses, when I'm tucking my kid, whenever I have kids, uh, tucking into bed at night, he's like, mom, tell me a bedtime story. I'm going to tell him that. And so like the little engine that could, I have a real life story that I will tell him to pick himself up or her, whoever the kid is going to (laughs) be.
0: I I love the theme of your podcast. And I'm so curious, what's the biggest lesson that you learned from that failure?
1: Um... I don't know. I just think. I mean, I feel like I'm still learning. You know, there's there's times where I'm like, oh, I'm totally over it, and then I'm like washing my dishes and I'm crying. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> over it. <laughs> I I don't know. Honestly, I can just say not what I learned, but more so like how tough I am
0: because
1: mm. you know, like I said, I've been teased for hitting that hurdle for years, for a year, Like even the other day, I did a post. It was just it was just a random post. It was talking about, Hey, come train with me and other winter Olympians. And this person was like, I don't want to train with you. You don't have an Olympic uh, gold medal. I want to train with the champion. And I'm like, well, if you want to train with her, go train with her, but she's not a winter Olympian. I was saying (laughs) training with winter Olympians. Like what the hell? I didn't even deserve this attack. So uh, it's frustrating having those attacks for so many years. I mean, 2008 was freaking over what a decade, 14 years ago. Years ago, and I'm still getting teased for this hurdle. So it just shows me how strong I am to continue to deal with the nonsense, you know. And not only that, you know, I deal with it in humor, I'll make jokes about it. And it's just, I don't know, like life can not break you. Instead, you can just use these things to just show how tough you are and just really achieve really good, great things, honestly, from failures. I know people hate failures, but you can really honestly use them as jumping pads.
0: Well, we all have them in our life. You know, maybe they're not on the stage that yours was on, but we all have failures in our life and we all have those moments that didn't turn out the way that we expected them to turn out. So I think when someone can hear from someone like you that you're able to move on and deal with it and become a better person because of it, I think they can go, Oh, wow, that fender bender this morning is really not as bad as I'm making it out to be.
1: Yeah, or it's bad for a while and then something comes of it or some insight or some growth or who knows, sometimes it takes a while. Like it's not like 2008 happened and I was like the next day, well, I was cracking jokes the next day. Actually, I was cracking jokes that night. But there were still moments of pain where I was crying and I was frustrated. There's still even moments now where I'm like, oh, like I wish you just would have won the medal and just been done with it. But then there's moments where I'm like, no, because I wouldn't be the person I am without that. So, and I probably, like, I've used it so much to my advantage, I think, to just really propel my next goals.
0: How hard was it to go to sleep those first few nights afterwards? Because I would imagine when you close your eyes, that's the only thing you're thinking about.
1: I actually didn't sleep. So there was that first night. I, ha- I don't think I had any sleep because I was crying so much. Uh, I actually went out with one of the other girls who uh, she ran for Canada. And we went and played basketball in the Olympic Village. Uh, like, you know, like the carnival hoop basketball. Well, they have like a game. Hop a shot. Where, yeah, where athletes can blow their steam off. And like, we both were just cracking jokes about how we just messed up. And then I think she beat me and I was like, Oh, I can't even win in this. You know, like we were, we, we were making jokes about it like that night. Um, And then I think after I left the Olympics, I had other races and I won those races and I beat all the girls that had Olympic medals. Um, So there was some kind of redemption, but it didn't matter because I still had lost the Olympics. So uh yeah, there were a lot of hard nights. There were a lot of nights where I definitely cried my eyes out and just frustrated. And I, I don't know, but there's also been good nights, you know, like there, there's been nights where I've won worlds in between that, you know, and broken records and, you know, made a ton of money from winning races. So it's it hasn't been all bad. You know, there have been a lot of highs along with the lows.
0: When did people start being mean about that? Because I don't feel like when it first happened, like, I feel like everyone embraced you after that yeah. first happened.
1: After it first happened, changed. I was America's sweetheart. It's crazy. Yeah. People loved me. And they were like, she's so graceful. And she lost like, they, like everybody like had my back. But here's a difference. Social media wasn't really a thing back then. In 2008, Twitter was just starting. I did not have Twitter at the Olympic Games. I don't even think anybody really did. And then 2012, not only did you have Twitter, you had Instagram. And just I noticed a change in how people were as more years progressed with social media. My comments became less positive. And more negative because people realized if they said negative comments, they would get more likes and more pings and more chances to go viral. And so I just felt like fans, most of them were cool, but then there was like the 10 or 20% that were just trying to just be annoying or just to be in the spotlight, you know? And so that's when I noticed a change. So 2008, I was America's sweetheart, it was great. And then 2012, It was like when I got fourth at the Olympics, which was pretty impressive since I had spine surgery a year before and I couldn't even walk. People were furious. They're like, she's such a she's such a wash, like she should give all her sponsorship money back like she can't win an Olympic medal. I'm like, whoa, like I had spine surgery a year before this race and people are mad because I could not win an Olympic medal. Like, that blew my mind. And also, like, my teammates were very negative towards me because they were frustrated I was getting publicity leading up into the games. But it was just like, they also weren't putting themselves in position to get that publicity. Like, they weren't active on their social medias. And, like, I've always enjoyed being on social media. I loved tweeting. I loved... I just always loved interacting with my fans. Um, and so that always caused me to be more in the spotlight because I would just be telling jokes and be more out there. I mean, if you have a so- an athlete who barely posts on their social media, it's hard for fans to like really know that person as opposed to someone who's like, Hey, look into my world. Mm-hmm. So I was getting backlash from that, the social media side and from my teammates at the same time. So it was just, it was the perfect storm.
0: I also think it's so weird that people can criticize from their couches. They're eating like Doritos. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's always, uh, it's crazy. That blows my mind too. So it's like, it, oh, <laughs> I, I never understand that. It's like, you can't even get an Olympic medal. And I'm like, do these people know how hard it is to even <laughs> make an Olympic team? It is so freaking hard even to just, uh, to, it, it's even hard just to qualify for the Olympic trials. Like they only take, I forget, like 23 girls, 20, 30, 30 max in the whole United States. So even- to qualify you have to hit a mark it's not like anybody can just show up to the olympic trials like you actually have to qualify before you get cut down to three people that make the olympic team so there's like a lot of girls that go home crying at the olympic trials so you know what they
0: are they're gold medal losers that's what they are
1: I mean, I've seen even Olympic champions that are gold medal losers because if they can't handle the the pressure and if they can't handle being nice, and, and that's probably what I think about one of my teammates has ton of gold medals, but none of her teammates can get along with her mm. and doesn't follow none of her teammates follow her on social media. Like I would rather you can take it the gold medal loser in so many different ways. Like you can be an Olympic champion with a piss poor attitude yeah. and you're still a loser in my books, or you can literally lose the Olympic gold medal. And be a nice person, but you're still a gold medal loser. Like you can spin the gold medal loser title however you want to spin it. Yeah.
0: What do you think's the best advice that you've been given throughout your career?
1: Uh, I hate this question because <laughs> I don't. I don't really remember the best advice. Like I'm just like I. I don't know. I don't work hard. I don't know. Like I don't have really best advice. I, I don't have those rocky moments where a coach was telling me. So I don't have a best advice. This is terrible. I, I would
0: imagine it's like an amalgamation of all of the advice that you've been given has made you who you are now.
1: Yeah. I, I don't have a bet. This is terrible. I like quotes. I mean, quotes are oh, good. Give us a know? quote.
0: I love quotes.
1: Uh, yeah. You fall seven times, get up eight. I mean, you're always winning. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. You mm-hmm.
1: know, uh, uh, my coach always says control what you can control because you're always, uh, at track meets or competitions, you're always thinking about, oh my gosh, this, 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 this. And like, you can't control the weather. You can't control your competition. You can't control, there's so many things that try to just interrupt your fierce thoughts. And so he's like, I can control what you can control. You can control being calm. You can control your actions, your warmups, your diligency. So,
0: well, that right there is some of the best advice.
1: Yeah. It's, so- it's okay. Sometimes I get tired of hearing it and was like, control what you can control. Okay. I'm going to control the fact that I want to leave right now, coach. <laughs>
0: But, like, if you want to tie this back to social media, you can't control what other people are going to say about you, but you can control what your reaction is going to be to what they're saying about you.
1: Yeah. Sometimes I let it slide. Sometimes, you know, if I'm feeling feisty, I'll, if I have a good comeback, you know, my, I hate it when people, other fans are just like, you shouldn't feed the trolls. I'm like, (laughs) <laughs> that makes no sense. Like sometimes, if you have a good comeback, you can literally shut a troll down. I've shut sometimes I've shut them to where they like they have to remove their account because people are just dying laughing at how much you put them in their place. So uh, I don't know. It just depends on the mood.
0: They're also probably going, "Oh my god, I didn't think Lolo would actually like see my comment."
1: No, so I've only had that a- happens a few times. And that's the worst when they do that. Because that's when I'm like, so you were a fan, but then you just decided to be mean. Like, I hate that, you know? Like, at least just be a troll because you really just don't like me. Don't be a troll because you actually like me and want to, like, upset me. (laughs) So I'm just going to block you regardless.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. When did you first start getting noticed for reality shows? And when did you go, you know what? I think this is something I want to do.
1: Um, When was my first reality show? I think my first reality show was Dancing with the Stars. I believe that was the first one.
0: Olympians Um, always do well on there.
1: Not me. I was the first one out (laughs) the gate. The first one. An 80-year-old lady beat me. I think it was Betty White or not Betty White. Somebody somebody who was 80 beat me. (laughs) But um, no, I was not good on that show at all. Uh, when did I get a knack for reality shows when I realized that you could make more money on reality shows than if you won world championships or the Olympics combined? You know, it's just the Olympics doesn't pay any money at all. You get no prize money uh, you don't get any, and it's crazy because the Olympics is a billion dollar corporation, although they hide it as a fact as a nonprofit, but it's not, it makes so much money. It's ridiculous. And the athletes don't get any of that, uh, world championships. If I win world championships for track and field, I get $60,000. And then Bob said, I think it's like $10,000. So that's not a lot of money for a whole season of work. Like, that's $60,000 is for the whole year and world championships is only every two years. So split that money in half. Like it's not a lot of money in athletics. Um, So when I was on dancing with the stars and I'm like, I get paid this and I don't have to do eight hours of practice every day. And it's just like, okay, so yes, of course. And anytime there, anytime I was injured and I couldn't compete, I wasn't, you know, strong enough to compete in an athletic race, but I was still strong enough to compete on some of these other reality shows. So the reality shows kind of just filled the void of the competitions. And then, you know, when the pandemic hit, I was like, all right, what reality shows out there that I can do right now until things pick back up? So honestly, I was just trying to survive, pay some bills.
0: <laughs> I don't think I would want to compete against you in like anything at all.
1: Uh, probably like a math problem.
0: I'd <laughs> ah, yeah, say I'm terrible at math, but I feel so like when it comes... I.
1: So am but, I. I'm, I'm an economics major, but I hate math. I can't stand it.
0: <laughs> I feel like you'd be the person who would be like, you you must be competitive in every aspect everything.
1: of everything. Absolutely. I won't even play Uno with my nieces and nephews because I just, there's a kill switch that I can't. It's like, I can't. Anytime it's a competition, it doesn't matter. I can't turn it off. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, like, if we were like going to get like mail or something, you'd be like racing me to no, the mail.
1: No, no, that's not competition. It's it just that's an active, you know, it's just something. Okay. But if then you said, hey, let's race to the mailbox, then yes. Wow. Well, uh,
0: that would be a stupid Yeah. Any, bet type by me. Of,
1: any type of game, you know, card games, I don't play with people like box games. I can't. I just, I turn everything super competitive. And so I just, yeah, I like very relaxing things.
0: All right. So when you were writing your book and your book's about to come out, does that then become a competitive thing of like, how many copies can I sell? How many <laughs> lists can I get on?
1: No, because honestly, the book was more therapy and it was more so what really was going on. You know, uh, obviously, I've, I'm very open with my fans, but there's a lot of things I kind of harbored and I didn't really express. Like, I didn't really open up about the hate that I was getting at the Olympics and like what direct how that directly affected me um, and kind of the behind the scenes and my first moments in bobsled. So, uh it wasn't more competitive. You know, sure, I was probably checking in to see how my book reviews were doing compared to other track and field book reviews. <laughs> but it wasn't like, oh, I have to sell X amount over them. It was more so, I really hope people like reading my book and I hope that they're inspired by the end of this to go do something that has been holding them back. It, that honestly was the end goal. Mm-hmm. Like, I want someone to read this book and read what I went through. And if they're frustrated, if they're sad... If they're lonely, pick themselves off up and like go charge the world. That's what I wanted from the book.
0: Yeah. And I think that too often people just see the finished product, especially because of social media. You see like the best three minutes of somebody's day instead of the other twenty three hours and fifty seven minutes. Not me.
1: Ah, uh, not me. I really, I really try to show the bad. I I really do. Like you're an exception. I try on my stories. I try to keep it pretty real. I mean, I've gotten in trouble by like talking about bad dates and this and that. And yeah, but you're you're right though. Social media for sure is much more polished. Ah, uh, everybody's a lie, pretty much on there.
0: <laughs> if you're talking about your bad dates on there, aren't you worried that people aren't going to want to go on a date with you?
1: Ah, uh, yeah. That's definitely hindered some things for sure. I'm not. <laughs> what I do though is I I've actually told a lot of the dates delayed, so not in the moment, so a guy doesn't feel you know I went on a date with him and the next day I'm I'm basically like oh, this date was terrible. Like I'll sometimes I'll wait even two to four years and I'm like then I'll I'll tell the date you know so that person's not even in the picture anymore you know so. But well, yeah, it, it's not it's probably smart to do it. I have I've stopped doing it as much until <laughs> I get a ring on this finger, and then I can go a little bit more ham. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Are there any parallels at all between the Summer Olympics and the Winter Olympics in terms of wh- where you were competing?
1: What do you mean? Like, like
0: the, is, does does hurdling at all help you to become a great bobsled athlete?
1: Um. Uh, Yes and no, like the turnover, the speed definitely helps the velocity of a bobsled. The so velocity is what uh, the two athletes, once they get in the bobsled, how much speed they have calculated once they load. And because I'm used to jumping over an obstacle, jumping into an o- into like a bobsled, I always had one of the top velocities on the team, which is huge. Uh, and then when I would go back from bobsled, I had all this power because I pretty much get really, really strong. Like I start power cleaning 220 pounds for work sets. And in track and field, my work sets are like 180 pounds. So that's a that's a massive difference. I go back to track and that power is so high that coming out of the blocks, no one can beat me for the for the first, you know few steps. I'm destroying them. But then because I've been in bobsled, I got to get my speed back. So they are like a yin yang for sure. They've helped each other out over the course of my career.
0: What does it mean to be the Charles Barkley of the Olympics?
1: Oh, I was just I was just making another joke about losing that Olympic gold medal. <laughs> well, Charles Barkley, you know, he gets teased all the time because he doesn't have a championship ring. He's one of the best NBA players. I mean, amazing athlete. And to this day, He gets teased nonstop, not only by fans, but also his peers for not having that ring. And like, I don't know. I just relate to that because I get teased all the time, even though I am a world champion. Trust me, I'm a three-time world champion, which is the highest of the high for us. And... I get teased all the time for not having an Olympic medal. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to put this on my bio. I'm the Charles Barkley of the Olympics because I've been to a summer and, Olympic, a summer and winter games. But yes, I don't have an Olympic medal. You got me. So I'm just going to call myself the Charles Barkley.
0: There's still a chance there, isn't there? Like the, the, there is, the Winter Olympics around the corner?
1: No, Winter Olympics just finished up. But there's, Yeah, but they were
0: late this year, weren't they? Yeah,
1: they were late. And I mean, it's going to be really hard. Like, I'm not going to lie. Like, if I tried to make another push especially for track and field, it would be really, really tough. It's probably like 2% chance. But here's the thing. I, I'd had a 2% chance the first time I made my team. And I had a 2% chance the second time because it is so hard to make an Olympic team. It is, it's so freaking hard. Like I remember when I was trying for the London Olympic team, they they actually, the sports announcer was like, she has a 0% chance to make this team. Like 0%. And I made the Olympic team. So uh if I was a sprinter, like if I was a hundred meter runner, I'd be like, you know what, my time is done. This is like there's you know, zero, zero, zero. But here's the thing. I lost an Olympic gold medal because I hit a hurdle. And I've seen the fastest hurdlers in the world hit hurdles at Olympic trials. And anything can happen in a hurdle race. Like I I went into the London Olympic trials, one of the slowest to qualify for the Olympic trials and I got third. So, I mean, I don't know. I'm not, I don't even think I, I don't know when I'm going to retire. I could retire tomorrow, you know, who knows, but right now I'm still fit enough. I still have the speed. It's just, for me, it's more so about staying healthy. As you get older, you get injuries more often. It's harder to recover. And so that's really what's the hard part about being an older professional
0: athlete. Bringing this back around to Tom Brady, you got to get, you know, he has Alex Guerrero, who's like his stretching guy. You got to get one of those for you.
1: Yeah. Well, if I had Tom Brady's salary, I would <laughs> freaking do, I mean, I don't even know. He's probably spending so much money on his body because I I spend a lot of money on my body maintenance. And if I had, if I had Tom Brady money, I would for sure have a huge chance to make the Olympic team because I would just have someone Go to practice with me, follow me around. I'd have a, you know, dietitian, nutritionist, all this, all all those things I do on my own. You know, like mm. I'm on Olympic, Olympic money. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't have a personal chef. I'm making all my own stuff. You know, I'm, you know, he Tom Brady, doesn't even go to, he doesn't go to the grocery store. I have to go no. to the grocery store, get my healthy food, cut it up, you know. He has someone just prepping all that for him so he can rest, recover. <laughs> so yeah, we're we're in different uh Different lifestyles.
0: <laughs> uh, why don't you get like a meal delivery service to just ship you the meals that you need?
1: Yeah, I've thought about that, but a lot of them are like not. I I I'm a, actually really love cooking, and I'm a, a great chef, and so I love fresh food. I love healthy stuff. So even though I'm exhausted, I actually do enjoy cooking and having great meals. So uh, having something come in a box, pre prepared, doesn't really sound appetizing. Uh, to me, but if they want to sponsor me, I love the boxes in the meal. They're so good. They're so healthy. Oh my gosh! No,
0: I can't do it. <laughs> There's the ones where they send you the ingredients, then you make it.
1: Yeah. Still, if you are a true chef, you mm. like to go to the grocery store. You like to feel the cilantro. You like to smell it to make sure it's fresh. And the fish, you have to make sure. Sh- I don't know. I, I like it. I I don't like grocery shopping, but I I'm very picky about my food when I do gro- grocery mm. shopping. So, mm.
0: what's your favorite aisle at the grocery store?
1: Uh, the aisle that I shouldn't be in—the snack aisle. Oh yeah, who, who's like <clears throat> snacks for sure. Then probably the cheese area. <laughs> mm. None of that should I—I I shouldn't be in any of those aisles. Then I probably say like the seafood. yeah uh, yeah, some seafood and yeah. Uh, right now I'm on a lettuce kick, salads and all that. I'm making polka, okay. different poke bowls every day. So yeah.
0: What do you think is the, like, What if someone wants to follow in your footsteps, they want to be an Olympian and they're in high school right now. Uh, what are the steps they...
1: I'd say don't do it.
0: Don't do it.
1: Pick a sport that makes you money. <laughs> Tennis, golf, baseball, choose anything but the Olympics. What What are you doing, kid? Don't, don't do it. Do you want to be poor?
0: <laughs> but they're really fast. They're like, you know, they're, they're the fastest track and field athlete at their high school.
1: If they're the fastest track and field athlete in their high school... Learn to throw or catch a football and become the best in the NFL and make millions. Because even, you know, the, who's the the practice squad makes 500K a year, right?
0: Something like that. Yeah, I think the league minimum is in the 600s for the NFL.
1: There are very few track athletes that make 500K a year. Like, they have to be crushing it. Like, crushing hmm. it. It's really hard in track and field. Like... Probably four years ago, I would have told this athlete to go pro in track and field. But there has been a significant decline in sponsorships in track and field, and in the Olympic sports, it's becoming very, very hard for athletes to make a living. Um, most Olympic athletes have other jobs, whether they're nannies, they're substitute teachers. It is really a hard lifestyle. But if you want me to go back to your original question, and you said they're the fastest, uh, my advice for them, I guess, just. Uh, I don't know. It's going to be a long, long road. And, you know, never get too confident after a string of victories because there's always someone up and coming and never get too hard on yourself after a string of losses because you can mm. rebound. So that would be my advice to them.
0: Do you think this ever shifts? So there was a point, you know, when Major League Baseball players, however many, you know, decades ago, they were working day jobs and then playing baseball. Do you think this ever shifts with the Olympics?
1: Well, we're actually on the reverse shift. So back in the 80s, track and field used to make a ton of money. Like they used to come back with wads of $100,000 in cash. Like they they were just crushing it on the European scene. And that all started to just start to fade away. Every decade has just been significant drop in money for track and field. Uh, but like the Marion Jones era was probably like the last era. And I think it's partly due to her because her and other people having the drug speculate speculations anytime, you know, you have an athlete that was so highly regarded and like the face of USA track and field. And then like, the doping bands and this and that, like fans don't like that. They hate that. And so it kind of takes uh, our sport and just, you know, it's all these little like knife cuts. Anytime there's a, a doping ban, it's like, Oh, well then everybody assumes everybody's cheating mm-hmm. and no one wants to watch the sport. So I think it's a little bit about that. I think our sport has, uh, there was some corruption in it a little bit. And I think the Olympics needs to just actually do more diligence and helping out athletes. Like there's not even health insurance for these athletes. Like you get health insurance, you have to get ranked to get health insurance. But you know, in the NFL, you know, if you're in the league for a certain amount of years, you're actually taken care of after you retire. There's a whole setup for these athletes that are retired and they fought very hard for that. Well, when you're done with the Olympics, your health insurance can be cut like the next month. Like I've not made Olympic teams and they cut my health insurance and I had no health insurance for like a whole nother year. And so, and I'm three, three three-time Olympics. And, you know, I've had three surgeries because of being in bobsleds, going over hurdles. I've had all these surgeries. And when I'm done being an athlete, I am on my own. There's no fund to take care of me. There's no retirement fund. There's no insurance I can dip into. And you think about how much the Olympics makes off of all the commercials. Anytime people watch the Olympics, you know, you see all the ads, all those commercials. That is not going to the athletes at all. And it should. There should be bare minimum athletes should get $10,000 to compete in the Olympic Games because they're providing content for television and people are watching those games. And there's, it's not just Americans that are at the Olympic Games. There's, you know, athletes from very, very poor countries, Africa, like, $10,000 for someone in like a small town, that's a life-changing thing, you know? Even Americans would be happy. Some Americans would be thrilled to get $10,000 and it would carry them, you know? So it's just, I don't know, things just gotta change.
0: (laughs) This is just like a taste of what your podcast is all about because you do talk about a lot of like this stuff too.
1: Yeah, I talk about the Olympics more so in my book and I go ham, like I break down the numbers, the actual figures. I mean, it took a lot of research how much the Olympics is actually making, how much they actually give back to the athletes on like special assistant programs, which is not a lot like I break that. So if you're into that and that kind of stats, like it's really interesting. My uh, Michael Phelps agent actually helped me with that because I didn't have all the information and it was really hard to decipher through all of it. But yeah, it was uh it was pretty cool.
0: So what's the book called? So everyone can go and get it
1: <laughs> over it over it. Like it's, like I'm over losing, I'm over it. And then also over like over hurdles. It's like, yeah. you know, it can be multiple means.
0: Well, wherever you're listening to this right now, you can find Lolo's podcast, Gold Medal Loser. I've really enjoyed this. Like, thank you for taking the time to do this.
1: No worries. Thank you for having me. And I hope that next time people watch the Olympics, they just cheer a little bit harder for athletes knowing uh, kind of the background of what they go through, whether they win or lose and just the hardships that they're fighting.
0: I end every conversation with the same question, because I love gratitude. I, I say out loud three things I'm grateful for every single day. So what are three things that you're grateful for today?
1: Oh, uh, I'm grateful for right now, for my health. I'm really grateful for um, uh, a loner car because my car is leaking coolant, so
0: they gave me.: little- Oh, that's never good.:
1: It's a small, It's a small thing, but I'm so happy for it, because I have wheels. Uh, is this your then- radiator?
0: Your radiator's broken?
1: I don't, it's not bro. It's just like a slow leak. But anyways, I hate car problems, right? But anyways, yeah. they gave me a dope loaner. So anyways, nice. um, and then the third thing I'm grateful for is my teammates just being back with my track and field athletes because they're just really good for my mental health.
0: Love it. Lolo, thank you so much.
1: Thank you. Bye.
0: Well, there we go. Big thank you to Lolo for joining us on this one. Big thank you to you as always. And since this episode here is going to be done in less than a minute, go check out our podcast called Gold Medal Loser. Check it out wherever you're listening to this right now. Also, take a screenshot. Let us know what resonated with you the most here. I'm sure you have a friend of yours who's a big Olympics fan or a big fan of Lolo. Share this with them. Tag us on social media. She is at Lolo Jones. I'm at Chris Fanfleet. We can repost it if you tag us on there. And let's end with this quote from Mother Teresa who said, yesterday is gone, tomorrow has not yet come, we only have today. Be great, be grateful, we will see you on the next one for some more insight.